I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi there and welcome to everybody watching the live This is Ibrox Friday Night Bulletin Tonight I'm joined by Dylan Brand How are you doing today Dylan on Friday the 13th? Uh, yeah, all good surprisingly mate Yeah, it's good to be back on That's it, and how are you today as well Patrick? Yeah, good, glad to be on for the first time in, in the new year um, Luckily we're not playing on a Friday the 13th We got to wait till Sunday But hopefully no spooks there And everything goes as plain sailing Albeit, I don't think the last time we played Aberdeen could be described as plain sailing. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I said I'm uh, going to the game on Sunday and I'm absolutely not hoping for a repeat of, of that. I don't think I could take that again, especially in a, in a League Cup semi-final. But uh, as always, in the wonderful world of Rangers, we've got plenty to talk about. Um, when I did this on Wednesday, I thought... Um, uh, when I was doing the Friday one, that we'd be coming on and, and have a sign-in to discuss, but we've not. <laughs> so we'll just do um, a bit more speculation. Uh, on tonight's show, we'll, we'll discuss the, the Bill press conference. Um, we could actually do a whole pod on that, to be honest with you. I um, love that we're getting these sort of 20, 25-minute press conferences coming out of Bill uh, nowadays. Uh, we'll talk a bit about the, pre- uh, the TAV press conference as well, and, and I thought it was really good to see Adam Devine, so maybe give him a wee shout too. Um have a look at, at some of the transfers, um, especially we've got Patrick on the show. So you guys, if you get any questions, anything like that, um, I'll direct them at Patrick and I'm sure he'll do his best to, to give you a good answer. Um, and obviously we'll look ahead to the League Cup semi-final against Aberdeen. Um, I think what maybe I will talk about this patron thing as well because it's, it's quite new because I'm not logging in for my work and I've just seen a lot of people going on uh, Twitter uh, and some not so happy people on it but everybody that watches this show when I'm hosting I always like to do a wee on this day I'll come to you on this first Dylan if that's alright um, and I was really really 
glad I got to talk about this because this game in my mind stands out so much. It's I I remember this game like it was yesterday. So Rangers defeated Dundee United five 0 um, and and Walter Smith's return after the the Paul Le Guin disaster or experiment, if you want to call it that, um, we had five uh, four goal scorers that day with Charlie Adam who scored an absolute screamer from about thirty yards out. Um, we had Chris Buck scored one, uh, Boyd scored two, and Barry Ferguson scored the other. What's your what's your thoughts on on um, you know having Walter Smith back at the club at this point, and and what was your what was your memories of of, of Sir Walter returning? Yeah, quite tricky because obviously after Paul Quinn weaving, uh, there wasn't really much hope. I don't remember there being much candidates for the job, at least strong candidates. So to kind of hear what was missed linked back and obviously eventually coming back, um, it was quite exciting because obviously you sort of grew up by that point, just sort of hearing about how he won his nine in a row, um, or at least being involved in nine in a row rather. Um, yeah, I was pretty excited. I just I was quite intrigued to see what he can do because obviously, in his first spell, he had lots of money to invest into the squad. West, so you can buy the likes of Brian Lowndrop and Paul Cascoit. Whereas this time round, it's more of a shoestring budget. Um, plus, <laughs> if you can sort of <laughs> to say the least. But uh, no, he just sort of started the game. Um, the Dundee United game was sort of him starting as he means to go on. Um, although we went another trophy last season when he returned. Um, you can sort of see the strong foundations he built because I think that January he brought in the likes of Kevin Thompson and Davey Weir. And, they, you know, they proved to be very good additions to the squad over the years. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I was quite excited. And whilst my second spell more or less cemented him as a legend, in my opinion. Um, got very fond memories of it. So, yeah, very, very good memories from, from myself. Yeah, just that was that was a, for a wee bit of background and that that was kind of when I was getting into football a wee bit and and I was I think it was the first time I'd, I'd been to Ibrox quite a few times with my Paul Gwen and it was it was so terrible sometimes and then just to have that and I just remember that like you know a lot of older people that I knew that supported Rangers they were just like it's fine like Walter Smith's coming back so don't worry about it and then that first game they go out and absolutely pump. Eh, uh, Dundee United. I mean, we annihilated in that game five 0 It could have been. It could have been more. And and I was just like, oh, that's fine. That's the that's the Walter Smith effect right there. But um, yeah, just want to say before before we crack on, hi to Millwall Ranger. Um, normally don't give shout outs on this, but uh, that's as we're a, a, truly international now. That's we can score Canada off the list that, that we're in. Um, Patrick, I'll, I'll start off um, with you on this. Just to come to the, the Michael Beale press conference, as we, we touched on earlier, uh, it was a it was another um, stagger, a bit of an epic again. Lots to, to dissect and, and take away from it. Um, maybe start on the um, uh, initial news that he was asked about some, some transfers. Um, it, it's really interesting how open he is on some of these things. He talked about, uh, he said, my bit's done. That makes sense. Talked about there being maybe one, two, three, four players coming in. Um, seen the news about about um, Cantwell with Norwich and that he's kept that he's going away. Um, what's your thoughts on on players? Um, you know that we could potentially bring in and and Cantwell specifically. No, I mean first in terms of the, the sort of press conference approach, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, yeah. For the longest time, it seemed that we're sort of cloaked in a 
sort of cloak of darkness, specifically about injuries. That was the biggest gripe we had. Uh, it felt that for every injury we got, which seemed bordering on every week throughout the, the early autumn and late summer, we would be told some sort of very vague estimate when we'd be back. Whereas now I think we got injury updates on six or seven of the players with almost all coming back or expected to be back by late January. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Yelmaz and Lawrence taking a bit longer, but there's light at the end of the tunnel for both of them as well. We have some sort of discrepancy and explanation for when they'll be back. Obviously, that doesn't mean that it's linear and they're going to not face any rehab or setbacks, but I, I enjoy that specifically. And the transfer stuff is quite funny because it's a lot of journalists and Anbil as the manager jousting against each other to try and put words in each other's mouths. You see him saying, yes, what you guys are printing or about long lines of Camwell seems quite accurate. So he's not trying to play all his cards, but he's trying to play up to them to give them some headlines, make it a bit fun, which I enjoy. Obviously, I would rather that we just announce the players that we sign, but you can't speak, rush that process. I think a lot of uh, our past failures perhaps have been, without us doing our due diligence, rushing the process and perhaps trying to appease the fans by getting a decision done correctly as opposed to getting the correct decision done uh, as that's what's yeah. sort of be all and all in, in terms of importance. Uh, Canwell's probably the name that's been mentioned the mo- most. Uh, Davies was also mentioned alongside him. That hasn't been as like, sort of fervent as the Camel stuff, which was only let ablaze when Wagner, the Norwich manager, said that he doesn't really have a future at Norwich per se. Uh, so that's kind of as, as close as we can get to being like, he's going to leave in January. Um, it's the sort of move, at least in, in my opinion, is totally dependent on how much we have to pay his wages. And if we get him in January or, or in the summer and for how much, because he is out of contract in June, which means we could technically get him for free now. But obviously, Bila said in the press conference that he would rather bring a player in six months prior than bed in. So that seems yeah. to be the so if you're going to make a bet on who's going to arrive, it'll be Cantwell on a negotiated fee of probably a million or, or around that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to, to see. We'll definitely touch on, on more of the transfer stuff um, later on in the podcast, but I think that's a, a good wee insight. Uh, yeah, he's been... I don't know how... I don't know how I feel sometimes about the, about the honesty because it's uh, now everybody's going to be 100% certain that, that we are going to sign Cantwell, and if it doesn't appear, then I, I dread to think what will happen, but, but we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, another point that was raised, Dylan, in, in the press conference, and I, and I thought this was 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 interesting. Um, it, it talks about uh, Rangers having a, a bit of a British core. Um, I'm assuming he's alluding to guys like you know Stephen Davis, the captain of Ireland, you know John Lundstrom, and and having Ryan Jack in there, John Souter. Um, obviously, we've got a lot of English-based players as well. I just I thought it was an interesting question in a press conference. How how necessary do you think it is to have something like that uh, in in modern football nowadays? Is it necessary to have a you know a, a British core in the team? Personally, I don't think it's necessary. I think obviously for a club, um, we think of the most successful sides. You do sort of think of like you know it's m- more more likely you not know, like a British based player. So whether you think about nine in a row. Uh, Watersmith's second tenure, um, stuff like that. So, and even if you go back further to Barcelona, there, so like the most successful Rangers teams have always kind of had a pretty space to it. Do I think that's necessary? Do I think that will mean that we will get success? Not necessary because, um, if you can remember, Warburton's squad was mostly pretty spaced, and obviously, he wasn't able to achieve much. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily think it's necessary. I think as long as you just got like the right attitude, um, yeah. 
the desire to sort of give a hundred percent for the club, then it doesn't really matter personally for me where they come from, just as long as they have that desire and that that um, effort on their part. Yeah, I wonder if it was just one of these questions that was asked just because we have been linked with so many British-based players. Um, this window especially. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll stick with you on the, uh, on the next question, Dylan. Um, uh, it was levelled at Michael Beale how important it was that the guys won the Scottish Cup last year and how that will help them going forward uh, into this game. Uh, I'll ask you the exact same question. It's something I get, it's something we've already talked about uh, several times already. Walter Smith was he was very very keen on, on on bringing guys that had already won stuff outside of the squad, um, bringing them in, and, and and it was important. Do you think it, it, it does count for something here that, that they've got that experience of winning, and it can only make them a bit hungrier for more? Yeah, definitely. I mean. Our record in cup competitions the last few years just hasn't been good enough. Um, so therefore, I don't think we can we can afford the luxury of just passing up passing up on a final um, or a trophy rather. Peel's right in that last season Scottish Cup win sort of gives them the confidence that they can do it, or rather, they have the ability to go on and achieve cup success, um, and. It's quite easy to forget that most of these guys haven't really won much. I mean, you sort of look at players such as Dav, Barisic, um, even Alfredo Morelos, they've not really won that much in their careers um, comparatively. So it's important to sort of like give it our all in cup competition because realistically, that's our only chance of getting silver this season. Um, not to say that I'm showing the Dow in for the week, but. Just realistically, at this point, it's probably more likely that we'll have cup success and weak success. But to build up the have is important, and to sort of add sort of trophies um, and medals to the collection, um, it will give the squad confidence. I think it will sort of give them more desire, hopefully, to go and achieve some more. So, yeah, definitely, I think. Hopefully, the Scottish Cup successful last season will have left a mark on the squad. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. It can only you need to, you need a winning mentality, and the only way you can get into that is by winning stuff, I suppose. So, um, yeah, I hope I hope it continues. Um, Patrick, I'll come to you on the next question. Uh, another point that uh, Bill raised in the press conference was he talked about give us some injury updates. Uh, I think it might have been Derek Clark who, who's appeared a couple of times on this asked about. Um, Ridvan and and Lawrence, I think he gives an update of Ridvan being back in three to four weeks. In what capacity, I'm not too sure. Uh, I thought it was interesting that he mentioned that Lawrence was in isolated rehab. Um, that maybe suggests it's a it's a bit worse than we we, we initially anticipated. Um, and he's given that a definitive date for Yanis Hadji returning um, on the St Johnson game. I, I believe he also had John Suter in that category as well. How important is it going to be to have four <laughs> effectively uh, and I hate saying it because it's so cliched but but they're going to be like new signings coming coming into the squad. Yeah, I mean obviously it's good to have to have a surplus of players to choose from. He's mentioned I think he's he's used this word extensively in all the almost all the press conferences since he's been back. He's going to use the full squad and I think that's probably best he's at the, the capacity in his Rangers career as a coach where he needs to decide who he wants to keep on. 
And that list is increase, increasingly getting slimmer, it seems, as the months yeah. go on, which I think a lot of people will want to see. And that's almost a lot of people feel is a, is a prerequisite for success. They've mentioned how lots of faces will change this summer in the press conference today as well. And I think that's to music to a lot of people's ears. And that's with the greatest respect to a few of the players. But I think with these players returning for injury, it's prob- probably more important in the sense that we get to see what they look like in a Beal team for pretty much an audition for their future, as opposed to, oh, yes, these four players are back. We're going to romp to the league because that's just unrealistic and, uh, and a pipe dream at best. Sadly, at least that's just my opinion on it. Um, but I think it's good to see these players play uh, in combination with others. We will have never seen Haji play with Tillman, for example. Yeah. We've we'll really never seen Sakala and, and Yilmaz and, and Ken together uh, for many extensive minutes. So it'll just be nice to see where we are, where the status quo will be in January or, or in June, rather, and, and who we can plan for. Because if Haji comes back and he shows the form that he showed in the 90, in the 2021 season, in, in the 55 season, where he got like 10 goals and 8 assists and was fantastic then. He's put down as, as a key player for the coming season, but then he might also return with the form he had pre-injury. And, and then we have questions about him. Do we want to sell him? Uh, and, and much like the same with Suter, if we see the, the John Suter, we saw Hearts would be fantastic. And then the questions would just be how are we going to actually maintain his fitness? And that's a question regardless, I guess, to be fair. But yeah, it will be good to see what we have to sort of review and evaluate who we have in-house and and then the next step is to see perhaps contract extensions and the squad planning thereon. Yeah, it's a very. I'm dying to ask you this because I've noticed that in, in nearly every single press conference, he mentions John Suter, Patrick. What what do you think Suter's role will be in this squad? I mean, will he be there purely for 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 rotational purposes, or do you think that he will, if it merit a, a starting position? Um, because I'm not too sure myself, given how how well uh, uh, Davies and, and, and Goldson have done, but he seems very very keen on on John Suter. Yeah, I mean I understand that. Um, I don't like obviously injuries. Availability is the best ability beyond any sort of ball playing or defensive ability. You have to be actually able to play. Um, I remember when he, when he signed. If we looked at the so the numbers, I do some rating systems on like the seven key traits for centre backs, and if we looked at centre-backs in the leagues between the Holland and I think it was the 20th best league. So it might have been Croatia. He had the best ranking of all centre-backs last season. He was in a perfect situation because Hearts, they, they defend enough so that his stats are good, but they also have enough possession that his passing stats are really good. But yeah. he's, he, he's a right footer and he's not that great on the left. So he's going to have to usurp Goldson's place and that's just an impossible task. So I think realistically, the best thing he does is operate as a, as, a, as a sixth man, is what we call it in basketball. Basketball, five players start, but the best sub gets the same amount of minutes as all the starters almost around. Uh, when, the, when the year finishes, they play as much as the other five starters. So I think what we might see is, I guess, what we saw in the 55 season where Holando, Balogun and Goldson were almost all playing and splitting the minutes. That's obviously the yeah. best circumstance, but obviously we have to see him come back. Uh, in his sort of short cameos he's shown for Rangers, he was playing, uh, as Beal had mentioned, actually, uh, retrospectively, he was playing with injections in his knee against Livingston, and, and he wasn't great, but then Joel Luke plays a handful for, for a lot of centre-backs. But the best-case scenario is that he comes in and, and he's a fully-fledged rotation option, pushing for the starting spot, and we all say, oh, wow, if he played for any team but Rangers and Scotland, he'd start. That would be ideal. And, and at worst... He's a name for to satisfy the, the Scottish criteria in the UEFA list. And I know a lot of people on Twitter have been talking about uh, the need for that. And I think it's overblown to an extent. But that's why I felt in the summer signing him for, for no transfer fee was a no-brainer. 
even with the reality that he was going to have these injuries issues. And we have to remember he's signed up for four years and we always knew he was going to be injured for a bit. And I think it was almost comical timing that he got injured straight away. But if he was to go on and have, let's say, he's got three years left, or he's got three and a half years left on his contract, and if two and a half of those years are injury-free, we'd look back and say 65% availability would have taken that when he signed. So I think he's definitely one of those longer-term options and sustainability. Uh, but in the short term, he needs to come back and, and show that he's able to sort of disrupt that good partnership that seems to be flourishing so far. Yeah, it's going to take a. I think it's going to take a lot to to dislodge either Davies or, or Golden from the first team at the moment. But as as you mentioned there, I can see him being a good rotational option. He, he just seems to fit into that. I, I know we've mentioned it quite a lot on this podcast about the he's a he's a Beal type player. I seem to say that about everybody, mm-hmm. but he is a Beal type player in terms that he's you know quite physical, can defend, but as you said, he can his passing stats are are very very good. Um, Dylan, I'll come to you on, on the next question here. It was uh, I thought this was quite interesting, the, the way that Bill handled this question. It was um, the comments that Aberdeen captain Anthony Stewart made that he pre- would prefer to play against Antonio Cholak over <laughs> Alfredo Morelos. Um, what, first of all, what, what did you make of, <laughs> of these quite... I don't know, crazy comments, very unprofessional from, from the Aberdeen player, I would say. I, I, I can't believe that he got baited at answering something like this at a press conference. But uh, I, I, credit to Bill, he said, they'll give the guys due. I, I haven't seen it, um, but I, I'm not too sure how much I believe in that. But uh, what, what did you make of the comments from, from Anthony Stewart? And surely that's... All you need to do is just get a set of AirPods, put them in Alfredo's ear and, and, and put that on repeat. Yeah, yeah, it is um, like bent up in the dressing room as well. Uh, yeah, I think I can maybe get what you're saying, but yeah, I'm still quite surprised that he has came up with something like that, especially especially with Alfredo Morales over the years. He's sort of thinking about the amount of times that he has done it against Aberdeen, whether it's scoring goals or assisting. Yeah, it's quite a, it's quite a ridiculous comment to make, especially right before a semi-final, but uh, as you said, hopefully Alfie could just sort of use that as inspiration almost. Um, I can imagine for most of us if someone were to say that, but was, the first thing you want to do is prove them wrong, so you're just kind of hoping that Alfie just sort of um, takes note, as it were, and just uh, shows him, <laughs> him how it's done. Yeah, it'll be very interesting if Morelos starts and uh, I'm, I'm sure uh, Anthony will start as well. So it'll be very good. I'll, I'll look very forward to, to that situation. Patrick, what what was your thoughts on on, on comments like that getting made? And um, and, and yeah, it's, it's crazy, isn't it, given your opposition motiv- motivation before before such an important game? Yeah, I mean, I kind of like the, the honesty, though. He was asked a question, yeah. he answered it. And I mean, I guess... It's one that he'll live and die by. If he goes in pockets, whoever plays up top, they'll be the sort of like confident boss who knew what was going to happen. And, and if we score a hat-trick or Cholak and Morelos, ideally both score, that'd be great. And then he couldn't handle either of them. But, but I kind of I kind of liked it. Um, and I think, obviously, it's perhaps the best time to, to pick on Morelos. He's not exactly playing well. He's getting pelters from all angles, even from our own, and rightfully so. He's getting paid a lot of money. He's on the sort of precipice of to extend his contract. He's probably demanding a high fee given the, what he's given to us in the past, but he's certainly not the player 
that he was, I guess, this time last year when he had that sort of mini remontada under Van Bronckhorst or even two or three years ago. I remember someone or this morning, someone posted a clip of him when he scored the brace against Hearts in the Premier Sports Cup semi-final. I think it was three years yeah. ago. It's night and day, not just in conditioning, because I think that gets probably gets ripped on that a bit too much, but just in general demeanour. But um, I expect we'll see Morelos start. I don't think you would see Cholak go in after the bump he got against Dundee United. And if we're being honest, Morelos added a bit of an, an extra dimension against Dundee United. That might be a bit of confirmation bias, just because the whole team played better in the second half. But you'd think the gravity that he sort of attracts for the defenders would have had a bit of an input into us playing better in that second half. But I would not be surprised if we see both play. Um, that's what I think. But not at start. Just one more guess I've done for each other. Oh, don't don't set me up like that. I'm absolutely dying to see the the Cholak Morelos um, uh, team up front. Um, I've, I've I've been panned for it a few times in in the comments. I know Big Gav was having a go at me uh, on Wednesday for for daring to suggest such a thing. Um, but Dylan, look, I'll I'll come to you on on the very very last point um, with with Beale's press conference uh, is that um, I, I kind of touched on it a wee bit earlier, but. But how how do you feel um, about his honesty in these press conferences? Patrick, obviously, they were talking about the Aberdeen captain that he did. He found it he found it refreshing that that someone is as honest as that. But do you think at times he he gives a wee bit too much away, or or, or do you think that are you like I, I love the new press conferences, the fact that they're 20, 20 minutes long. But sometimes I, I do think he is maybe a wee bit too honest about things. What what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's probably just because we were too used to how Geo Fanny Van Bronckhorst did his press conferences where he didn't really give that much away. Um, probably just because he has been media trained for that long that he's been instructed to sort of answer questions as quickly as possible without giving too much detail away. Uh, but I'm kind of like you, Kyle, and it's quite refreshing to sort of see Michael Beale uh, do the press conferences. I think you can tell that he has a lot of passion for the game and he is so like, enthusiastic to talk about it. I think it's sort of worth bearing in mind that this is really his, you know, last few months is really the first time that he has become, you know, the main man at the club, the manager. So I think there's certainly some learning curves for him because I think I can remember maybe Steven Gerrard when he first came over when he was quite brutally honest in post-press conferences and, and in his interviews. So... But again, I don't think it's detrimental. I think Oadisi is a person who enjoys his job, loves talking about his job. Um, but I can sort of see why a lot of people might not be a big fan of it, because I think he does go into the exact detail. But again, I think um, he'll sort of learn the carpet um, in the next couple of years. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. That you can, you can tell he's he, he's very very early on in his managerial career, and you know that I will say that the last two managers we've had were were, were top class international football players, and and you know they they had media training to 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 maybe you know not reveal so much, but but I I do agree with you guys. I I do think it is refreshing to see so much honesty in a, in a game where it, where it is you know cloak and daggers and it's you know information's hidden and, and kept behind and stuff like that so yeah it's good uh look patrick i'll come to you in the next point we'll, we'll, we'll touch on the uh the TAF press conference there was there was lots to take away from this he was quite stoic was was our our captain here he didn't didn't give 
give an awful lot away, but um, uh, I, I thought it was interesting that he said that under under Michael Beale so far that he perhaps felt that the Dundee United game w- was the best performance, which I, I found a bit odd given how, how poor they were in, in that first half. Um, and then he talked about, about the Aberdeen game specifically and he talked about how that, that was a game that they felt that they took they took risks and uh, uh, more risks than than they have in other games, um, and and they well they certainly got got the reward for that. I'm sure I'm sure I don't need anybody to say that it was <laughs> it was a uh, uh, it was three minutes of uh, or, or five minutes of injury time and, and we got the two goals in it. Um, but but do you think that's something that this Rangers team need to do more of under under Michael Beale is 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 take more risks going forward and and in that transition from 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 it being Geo's team to Beale's team. Are you seeing that sort of coming into effect so far? Uh, I mean, I guess to an extent, I, I would say, given our sort of financial and just total mass mismatch against all of the other teams in Scotland, that we should be a team that makes risks. You don't mostly calculated risks, but uh, we can afford to sort of send seven men forward and try and outscore the other team. Obviously, a lot of people like to comment that sort of championships and titles are won by, by tight back lines, but I do think in Scotland, it's a lot easier to score a goal or two um, in the, in, and make up for scoring them and conceding them just because, as is, we've already conceded 20 and 21 and we have a defence. If you look at the individuals, perhaps besides our goalie, who you'd want in the sort of, if you selected all of the teams, you'd want goals in your defence and even still we're conceding. So it's a lot easier to score and that also correlates with taking risks. He also mentioned that they're playing with more freedom. Um, that might just be like on the basis of positional um Positional play, they're allowed to drift a bit more. Kent, I think, is the sort of the perfect example of this. He now almost is positionless. He just assumes that sort of central 10 role uh, and just does a lot of roaming, which works well for him. But then some players are better in a sort of more structured environment, which they're told you'll take this side, uh, counter press to this person. But each player is receptive to different things. So it's someone like Tav and Kent and Sakala specifically have all seemed to be profited off Beale's more sort of laissez faire approach, which works for yeah. players like them. They like to be on the ball. They know what to do. They're technically inclined. Uh, but then some others might respond better to a sort of more regimented thing. But we'll see. And, and Beal will be uh, aware of that. And he'll sort of game plan for the person. He's mentioned a lot when he's been talking about the transfers that he wants a person here. They're not just players and to, to fit his mindset to the goals. So they're all trying to trending upwards to the same extent. He mentioned that he wants the players to sort of mirror his uh, coaching team who are all young and hungry. And looking to just take the next step and not not leave Rangers to a better team per se, but to to, to sort of take us to glory and then eventually go to, to the upper echelons of football, which is just a sort of natural reality of us. Uh, and I guess against Aberdeen in the League Cup, there'll be some sort of security in the idea that you want to play it slow because because of, of the occasion. We've talked about winning trophies and, and the lack thereof in the last few years, but I think the best way we can do it is kind of just go all guns blazing. Um, we kind of played 50-50 to Aberdeen for the first half uh, a few weeks back and, and it didn't really go well. I think the way we're able to beat them, or, or obviously not the way, but what I would do is just go and, and take, sort of maximise our advantages. And that is in, in the forward lines. They have a few good striker uh, forwards. Duke's been playing quite well. Miofsky's is a good penalty box striker. But the way we win this is by scoring early and sort of putting the game to bed. Uh, it's a lot easier said than done. And we've had quite a few classics over the last few years. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Morales and Stewart get into something, uh, maybe a red card. I remember the classic double red card between McKenna and Morales, which must have been yeah. like two and a half years ago. Uh, I don't want that. Maybe I'll take that. 
if we're up five nil and we're else's back the hat trick and then you can <laughs> yeah i'm not sure yeah, you heard it here first. Patrick has got Morelos down first for scoring a hat trick at the at the weekend. <laughs> and the red card. The odds probably quite good for that as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're probably going to get decent odds on that uh, as well. Um, look, Dylan, I'll come to you for for the next point in in the uh, the TAV press conference. I thought there was a a, a really good um, question. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head who it was from, but it was it was talking about. Um, have actually having you know the same consistent players ahead of him, um, especially in this Bill system. He's had he's gone with Sakala and, and, and Tillman out in that right hand side. You know, Tav talks about it, it is nice, you know, you know, you go come forth more familiar with the patterns of play and, and, and where people are, are going and stuff like that. How important do you think it is when we do get players back from injury, keeping them fit and, and keeping them in the team for just about a bit of consistency? Massive, absolutely massive, as you sort of alluded to. It gives them more opportunity to, to get to get to know one another in terms of their play, um, how they fit into the system, how they react to the system. Um, this is simple as that when they have the ball, they'll know what that person will be and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's absolutely crucial, um, I think, the fact that the line that we got dropped to Jane's before World Cup break probably didn't help the form at all, mm. um, especially when we we're coming back after the World Cup break where he had a centre back pairing of Lundstrom and Sands. So uh, yeah. again, you can you know you can only do so much when when everybody around you are just dropping like flies and you're just getting like a new partner every game, every two games, every three games. So yeah, absolutely and. In an ideal world, it would be good to have all the players fit and available. But unfortunately, as we've seen from this season, as we're not in an ideal world, um, we will always have like at least one or two players that we'd like to make an impact, albeit on the sidelines. Um, that's the only thing. So, uh, yeah, that, that's all I have to say about it. Single lost Kyle there. That's all right. I'm I'm back. Back. Okay, thanks. Like, no, 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 I, just... I felt I felt like Dav there when the No, that that was all right. That was that was a unexpected click of a button in my mouse there that <laughs> that forgot was there. So there you go. I could just see the look of panic on your on your face there, Dylan, for coming back. But um, <laughs> yeah, so, sorry. Had you finished speaking about 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 the having the consistent players on the team there? Yeah, I think it was just more was the point that in an ideal world we'd all we would have the likes of like a Hadji or a Lawrence players of that caliber available at squad at any given moment. But obviously, I think every club in the world at least have that one player on the sidelines that they wish was in their starting eleven, or at least have the option of on the bench. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be important. But again, uh, we just need to make use of the situation really. Look, Dylan, I'll, I'll stick with you in this so far. I, I know it might be a bit harsh on, on, on Tav, but my opinion is that he's not been great defensively this season. Mm-hmm. And, and normally that's kind of, what we say, offset by the amount of assists, the amount of goals. That he, I mean, what is, has he scored 100 goals and assists or something like that for outrageous? For, I'm sure Patrick will be able to tell us better on that one. But the, the stats are absolutely outrageous for him. But... Um, how do you think he's he's done so far this season? And and do you think that um, 
have you seen a bit of an improvement under under Beal? Because I, I, you know somebody will we'll come on to next is, is Adam Devine, but he mentioned that at his press conference that it's really good to have somebody like like Devine um, brought in or, or, or there to, to to challenge them. You know, again, so I'll go back to the Beal press conference as well. He, he talked he's talked about training and it wanting it to be competitive and you know everything to be them again getting them into that that winners mentality first of all basically how how well would you rate to have this season how do you think he's done under Bill and do you think it's good that, that Devine's challenging him yeah to answer first question I think he's been all right but obviously the last few seasons he has been you know arguably our best player in terms of stats um the fact that he's always there to be counted almost uh but again it's Guys, uh, what do you do the point to the question before? It's probably just due to the fact that players around him are dropping like flies. Um, the confidence in the squad was more or less shattered, I thought, after the Champions League and the first old firm game of the season. So, again, it was quite a lot for them to pick themselves back up. Um, and also, it's kind of like what we believed that he wasn't fully fit, at least right before the World Cup break, where it just sort of felt like you were just forcing him to play at points. Maybe not maybe not in that wording, but it certainly did feel as if he couldn't be rested because there was no one that could sort of step up. Um, and so I watched you do other questions, Kyle. Um, just basically, ha, ha, do you think you've seen a bit of an improvement under under uh, when since Michael Beale's come back in and, and just how important is it to have guys like Divine pushing, pushing Tavern at the first team? Yeah, okay, that's fine, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think I have seen a slight improvement. Again, he still does mistakes. I mean, one that sticks out to me most is in a New Year Old Firm game when I thought he could have done better for the first goal. But uh, I, I do see a bit more improvement. I think the players around him have got a bit more confidence, so therefore he gets a bit more confidence. Because I've always believed that Dav, when he's around better players, is a better player himself. So... I think the fact that he's got that consistency a bit more with Beal has definitely helped him. And yeah, it's quite good to sort of see Define um, behind him because I think from what we've seen, he has sort of impressed me, especially when he's been playing as a left back, which it's not his natural position, but I thought he'd done a good job. Um, I think as well as another option for us for if it's like a run in a week game or it's a cup game against like a small opposition, then you can have confidence to chuck on and define and give Tav that bit more rest because he has sort of, I think, run himself into the ground a wee bit in the last couple of seasons. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, it's quite good that we've got not only um, someone who could govern for Tav, but also the fact that he's come from our academy, really. Yeah, that's that's it exactly, um, Patrick. I'll, I'll come to you on on the next point here. Um, basically, it's about about the transfers. Let let's just go into it and, and see what's going on because I know this is a bit of you're a bit of an expert in all things like this. Um, my first question for you is uh, Todd Cantwell. It, it, it looks very 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 likely that we are going to sign him. Sky Sports News reporting now, and that's tends to be uh, an indication of you know that it's at the maybe at the van stages and and some of the absolute hints that <laughs> that, that Bill was dropping in, in the press conference today where do you see a guy like Cantwell fitting into the to the Rangers system and um yeah h- how do you think it, it, he will cope if we do end up signing him 
Yeah, I mean, he's mainly played as a, as a left winger or a left attacking mid for, for Norwich in like a, a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, which are two shapes we play often. Um, but I, I don't see him playing there per se. I would more likely see him playing in the midfield three as either like a sort of number 10 or number eight. Think of where Hadji or Lowry or Lawrence or Tillman would play. Um, not to say I think I think he, he would come in and probably he'd be on the wages that would require him to start. But I think you could start him across with one of those more attacking players against sort of the majority of teams. But I think you want him as a 10 or a left wing against better teams just because we can't carry that many sort of offensive players in Europe or against Celtic per se. Uh, his skill set's fairly interesting. Obviously, a lot of it was made of him like two or three years ago. I think he got six goals, five assists in, in the Premier League, the, the English Premier League was destined to join Liverpool or something like that. So he's got a really high ceiling. Uh, the skill doesn't just evaporate. It's probably a, a mix of confidence and sort of that Norwich team weren't very good outside of that season. Um, in the Championship in 2021, he was also quite good, but he's not really got a goal-scoring touch per se. He obviously knows, knows where the goal is, as almost all forwards do. But outside of that one season in the Premier League, he hasn't put together a campaign where he scored consistently especially for a left winger. Uh, we've had our own problems with left wingers who don't really score much but contribute in other ways with Kent. And, and he, he can carry his value outside of not scoring because he just does so much. So, But I don't think people will probably get tired if we have another player like that on the wings. But I think he would be more valuable in the centre because um, we also don't have that many great contributing bodies there. Tillman's been fantastic recently. And then Lawrence and Hadji are injured, so we need to wait upon how they return. And then Arfield, he's he's good for a goal when you sub him on, but I don't think people are that confident in his ability to sort of carry and play the ball and sort of complete and execute a full 90 minutes at a high level. But he is great for like an odd 30 minutes against Aberdeen. was the perfect example. He yeah. a few goals. Um, so he has he has a high ceiling. Like uh, he, he, His potential is there. Uh, Beal has talked about rehabbing players, and I think this is probably the sort of prototypical example of getting someone who has the capabilities and sort of the technical base to come here and boss the league and rehabbing them to a point where we can sell them on in, in a year or two for 10, 15 million. He's got all the hallmarks of someone in the Premier League signing him if it goes right. But uh, a few of those ones we've seen with Ramsey and Diallo trying to rehab them, albeit completely different players and only on loan, those didn't work that well. And we've all seen a few in the years past as well. But I think if we, if we pay a low fee, I think the risk is worth it just because there is a, a sort of plethora of evidence, both data and video-wise, that he, he has skills, and skills that a few in the uh, sort of team have. He has a natural fit or a fit, at least I see, being quite good in the side as well. Uh, one problem would be the fact that a lot of the Norwich fans uh, are complaining about a sort of a lack of intensity and the fact that there's a sort of misnomer and discrepancy between his numbers looking good, or at least the underlying ones, and the fans thinking he doesn't play well. And we have quite a few players like that at Rangers already. So I don't really want for us to carry another like quantity guy who doesn't yeah. appeal with fans. Um, but I think if we bring him in, let's say, uh, Beal said Monday, we might see someone come in. If it's sub 1.5 million and he's on decent wages, I think it's a risk definitely worth taking. Um, and either it'll be a massive success or it'll be a, a big failure and we'll want him out in six months. But I don't really see, see much in between. But at this point, uh, optimism, I think he could be, he could really succeed, but it's, it's far from a guarantee. 
Yeah, you, to- you totally stole the next question right out of my mouth there about wait to see what, what, what fee you would ask for him. But yeah, are you are you trying to tell me that, that the Rangers fans would turn in someday if they have a couple of poor games? Well, well, I never have. Okay. Um, Dylan, look, I'll come to you in the next bit of transfer news that, that Michael Beale alluded to in his press conference today. Um, we touched a wee bit about it on the, on the Wednesday pod there. Um, Alex Lowry, he was pretty definitive that he is not going out on loan. Obviously, there was that rumour that circulated um, about him going up to potentially Ross County, but I, I have seen today that it looks like they've brought in another couple of midfielders. Um, so, I, and the fact that Bill said he's he's not going out on loan. Um, what do you think? Do you think this is the right move to, to keep Lowry in the squad and, and have him in and around guys that are playing in the first team, or do you think that he would benefit from from going out and playing on loan somewhere? I think it's a right move for him to stay at Rangers if he gets the game time. Um, I think he also Michael P also alluded to the fact that he's hoping to give Robbie McCrory some game time as well so it's sort of that reassurance that he at least wants to give the youth a chance because obviously he's come from youth coaching himself at Liverpool so I think he's always keen to sort of give them an opportunity um, I, I can see why people are mixed up at potentially him going out alone uh, but I think what I'll maintain is that He's far too good for the B team in the Lowen weeks. Um, I think that's evident with the fact that he scored a hat trick during the week against several strollers. Um, so now he's kind of in that hinterland of like, well, what do we do with him now? Um, I think it would be useful to have him around the club just so he could get more used to the system. And he, he might not play a lot of games from now till the end of the season, but he always gets some opportunities to sort of get used to the system proof like his decision making as well um, when on the ball so and the, the only reason why I probably would like to see him go on is if there's a guarantee that he won't get that many minutes staying here so therefore I think it would be beneficial for him to go to a club like Ross County when where he will be one of like, the main players like he'd be one of the yeah. main men that they look to uh, so I'll give him experience with that but um, yeah, I don't think there's really any negatives to be honest with him sticking around the club because I think he will get opportunities here and there and hopefully he takes it as it comes. Yeah, I, I agree with you there um, 100%, Dylan. I think it was Gav that, that raised a, a good point. He, he asked us to name the last outfield um, player at Rangers that had a successful loan spell and came back and, and was integrated in the first team and <laughs> Charlie Adam <laughs> was the name that was touted so we know that was circa about 2006-2007 um, Patrick, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you for, for sort of one last transfer um, question here It's number one it's a, a wee question about, about the other player that, that we seem to have been linked with purely because, because Beals mentioned his name um, it occurred to me on, on Wednesday that, that Everton still owes a bit of cash. I think it's circa three, 3.5 million. Um, what's your thoughts on, on a guy like Tom Davies, potentially, or Davis, I should say, signing for, for Rangers? And um, and I'll, I'll leave the floor entirely up to you. Is there any other areas that you think we should be looking at? Is there any players that you think Rangers should be going out and, and, and snapping up in, in the January transfer window? Um, I mean, at least if we're looking at Tom Davies, I wouldn't want to renegotiate the Patterson fee. Uh, I don't think he's worth $3.5 million, especially on that six-month deal. And I'd rather just have the cash in hand as that's something that cash flow is important, especially in football. Uh, and looking to the summer window, we'll need a lot of sort of free capital to, to buy players, hopefully, knock on wood. 
with Davies, I don't know as much as, as Cantwell. I think that's indicative of the fact he hasn't played much recently. He had uh, two good seasons in 1920 and 2021. But we need to preface those were good for a teenager in the Premier League, which is still mightily impressive. And, and, and yeah. that's a really good rating. But he's really stagnated, if not sort of fallen back since then. Uh, injured quite extensively with a knee injury last year. And, and he's probably now better known for, for his sort of sense of style and, and the appearances he makes are red carpets in, in football, but not to say there isn't skill there. Um, he'd probably come in and play as a sort of deepest sitting player, uh, like a six. He seems to be pretty good on the ball and in tight spaces, plays it forward, quite an accurate passer. But um, I think this is wholly dependent on the fee in the basis that at his age, and with the questions around him, or not say at his age, he's, he's 24, but he hasn't played football like a 24-year-old. He's probably more akin to a 21-year-old, so there's still have questions. But he has trained in a professional environment at Everton and a top-level one under Ancelotti and a plethora of good coaches, despite the sort of cluster uh, and confusion Everton are now. They still have good players he's coming against in training. But I don't know if his skill set versus sort of your average six is worth paying that much money for because he's just good at the basics. And, and that's probably what we need at defensive midfielder. Uh, I think that's more what Stephen Davis is great at. He'll give you a 7 out of 10 every game. But I think we're at the point in which there are too many questions for us to spend more than, let's say, you know, for 1.5, especially considering the fact that you could get him for free in six months, but that knee injury is adding is clouding a lot of the vision for me. It's one that I wouldn't be angry if we get him. I wouldn't be sad. Um, I don't think it's a bad link per se but obviously I haven't watched much of him and the numbers are quite difficult because he's playing for a pretty poor EPL team and to sort of yeah. translate those numbers into a good SPL team is quite difficult just because it's like oh wow you, you don't defend very well but you're having to defend against like De Bruyne whereas here you'd have yeah. to defend with the greatest respect uh, St. Mary and Motherwell so if I, 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 wouldn't pick, I wouldn't pick him per se he wouldn't be on my short list but that's to say uh, if Beal likes him, that's probably the best co-sign. And obviously, if he's one that he's talked to, uh, I think Anoma was another mention. Josh Anoma from Fulham. We yeah. mentioned that we're actually talking with him. His numbers are a lot better, but again, he's also had injury problems. And I think he, in his career, he's 25 now, and he's yet to put up a season with over 2,500 minutes, which is akin roughly to like 25 full full 90s, which is another concern because we play so many games and we have so many injured players or, or players who are prone to injury that what we need to build is when we sort of break this up in the summer, we need to bring, build it not with just good players, but, but solid, stable pieces in which we can depend on them to play in Europe, in Scotland, in the Cup and all that. And uh, it was obviously difficult to find at a good price, but um, I think we need to equally take risks with players like Catwoman and Davies and get Beal to rehab because he seems to love the idea of building up these projects. And, and that's awesome. I, I like to hear that. But we also need to have the, the more stable, which doesn't mean, mean boring in any sense or cheap. Mm -hmm sort of get a player who satisfies all the basics and is sort of available for 90% of the games is expensive and that'll be the challenge but it'll be interesting to hear because obviously Beal's talked about three or four names and we've only really heard murmurs of one really solid one which is Cantwell obviously Davies and Onoma have been discussed but it does, still does leave a few more names to sort of uh, unravel post the Aberdeen game so hopefully on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday we're uh, mm -hmm. sort of Loading from a good victory against Aberdeen, and hopefully, uh, who we know will play in the cup finals, and we'll get some interesting names linked. Yeah, that that yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And and I hate to put you in the spot, Patrick, but is there anybody that you think that we, that we should be looking at that, that we're not looking at at the moment? Uh, I mean, I don't know because we're not privy to all the money and stuff. But like, I guess if you're looking at 
the, the main thing. So if you're like, oh, why would you be looking at this person? I guess is if you look at the contract situation of someone like Camel and Davies have six months left on their deal. Um, and that's always a good way to go. Um, obviously, Raskin was talked about, but he's probably a bit too good. He'll have like links to players like or teams like Marseille has been linked and you're not going to join Rangers over Marseille. It's not the 90s anymore. Um, sadly, I'd love, I'd love us to be up there fighting with teams like that. Um, but I, 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 not off the top of my head, I, I guess we really need to see, I think, more so in the situation of who leaves. I, I know Bill mentioned that no one's going to leave in January, which I think is probably a mistake. Obviously, if no one's going to buy a player, we don't just want to rip their contract up. But yeah. I think the best thing we can do is sort of break it down and, and see what we can do in the summer, just because it is really difficult to get good players in January. Because if they're good and, and their team's fighting for the league, they're not going to sell them. If they're good and they're fighting to stay up, they're not going to sell them. So it's really yeah. this sort of Goldilocks area where you want to find yeah. players who are good but not important enough to their team who are also sort of destined for mediocrity. And at that point, you're finding like maybe one or two players if even that. But so sorry, I, I can't really answer your question. <laughs> no, I think that was that was a fair enough answer. I, th- I think I think you are right. That that is the market that, that Rangers now have to to shop in. That they are looking at the, the players that are. You know, questioning their options, and, and they've got that that six months left in their deal. You're right; it's a good way of putting it. That that sort of Goldilocks zone. Um, look, Dylan, I'll come to you on one last question before we move on to to the Aberdeen game at, at the weekend. Um, I wanted to. I, I noticed a wee bit of noise about it in social media. I don't. I don't know if I put it in my agenda in the group, but I, I, I don't. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's to do with this this patrons package for for Edinson House. Yeah. So right. Okay. <laughs> you must have seen it then. So. Yeah, so I, like I said, I, I totally understand it, it's clearly a way of the club of raising a bit of, of capital. You know, I, I I would hedge my bets in saying that this this is a, a, a Bizgrove idea, that it sounds like it's something to him that he, that he would come up with. It, 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 I, I get it. We need, you know, they're charging £50,000. I, I said, I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what it is, but, you know, you seem to be getting events to, to Edmondson House. You seem to be getting, you know, Part of the sort of board of of, of patrons um, for for Edmondson House tickets for for some uh, concerts. You have ticket. I think you've got two tickets for the director's box. I do notice that this is invitation only, but but the one thing on it that does seem like a wee bit of a kick in the stones to, to a lot of supporters is is this this lifetime gold membership that, that's included in it. What's your overall thoughts on something like this? Is this just something that? We need to shut up and, and and stop moaning about because because it is a it is a relatively easy way to raise capital or is this just the board of um sort of not messed it up again but just missed the mark. Yeah, I can't wake you up. I'm only kind of just seeing it, so I've not really read into the finer details of it. So I don't think it'd be fair for me to sort of fully comment on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just. <laughs> On the basis of it, it's probably just a way for club to raise some more funds, uh, which is never really a bad thing because obviously you can remember back in the lower division days when you know we can even swap out sports direct because we know for a fact that the money we spent in that shop won't go to the club. So it's quite nice now to see the kind of board exploring other avenues to raise funds. Um, it's not a particularly, I'm not going to say it's a great look, especially in a season where we charge such a high price for the Champions Week package and then obviously last season when uh, the Celtic friendly happened so uh, yeah again I'm not too sure what to say but again I can see why 
people like myself can just see that it's another way for a club to raise money, but also I can see on the other hand that uh, fans do feel as if they're being cast out uh, by the board. Yeah, for, for 50 grand, I'd want Glenn Kamara playing in my five-a-side team every week for that, to be honest with you. But yeah, I can see what it is. It'll be interesting to see how many of these are actually issued out. And I, I'm sure it's something that we will never know. But I, I do, I, I I can understand everything else. But for me, the, the lifetime gold membership, it, it's just, it, it's a wee bit of a kick in the teeth, especially for, for you know, guys that are... I mean, some of the amount of money that people have ploughed in for, for something like that and go to games week in, week out. It just seems like a way to bypass that. But I'm sure I'm sure we'll discuss it um in, a, in another pod at, at some point. Um Patrick, I'll come to you. Let's let's talk about uh, nearly an hour into the podcast. Let's talk about <laughs> the, the, the game against Aberdeen. Um obviously huge, huge occasion. Um what do you think? How do you think the game will go? How do you think Rangers will, will set up, line up uh, um in that game? I mean, I don't think we'll see much difference at all to the to the team that we saw against Dundee United or Celtic. I think the only questions will be uh, Morelos or Cholak, and I think it's fairly obvious Morelos will start just because I don't think you throw in a striker who's sort of half-baked. Uh, and even then, probably not in his greatest form, albeit he hit the heights early on, and it's quite difficult to sort of complain that he's not continuing to score a goal every single 90 minutes. But I think we'll probably sort of set up in the prototypical 4-3-3, maybe 4-3-1-2, Sakala, Morelos, Ken, and then Tillman, Kamara, Lundstrom, or Jack, maybe. Jack did impress against Dundee United, so it might be difficult to, to take him out. Uh, we might just go with the extra security, given the fact that, that it's the, the sort of game we're playing. Uh, it's a semi-final, but we should play the opponent, not the occasion. Uh, and obviously, Aberdeen were probably as good as us for 89 minutes uh, at Pertaudry, um three weeks ago, which isn't much of a compliment to them because we were really poor. Um, but I feel like since that, we've shown sort of 90 minutes of solid football. I mean, now probably 180, I guess, the entirety of the Motherwell game was quite good mm-hmm. without us ever catching fire. But we've shown two really good halves, um, one, one against Celtic, one against Dundee United. And it seems that yeah. we're just for, like just a game away from putting it together and having a solid 90 minutes. And I think this might be the perfect example, given the occasion. Uh, and that the fact that we've been quite good in these semi-finals of, of past, obviously the, the Hibs won last year, it was one to look look away from, but hearts from two years where we can take experience from that um, and hopefully re- replicate that. And I see no reason why we couldn't. Aberdeen are also not in a great spot. Uh, there seems to be quite a lot of pressure, both on the manager and the players. Um, so if we can just add, uh, sort of put up a notch and make the pressure cooker a bit hotter, that'll be nice for us both uh, given that the sort of rivals and for us to sort of laugh at them, but also means we're also in the finals. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, and and Dylan, how, how do you see the game going and, and how important is it for, for Rangers to, to win a cup this year under Bill? Yeah, well, it may be a semi-final for us, but it's a cup final for Aberdeen, unfortunately, <laughs> with the way these things go. Uh, yeah, yeah I've not really got too much to add on to what Patrick's already said. Um but it's quite an important game, I think, for Beal because it's sort of a chance to sort of win a trophy really early on in his Rangers career uh, and his career in general, to be honest. So, yeah, it's important because hopefully then we can sort of build on from that. Hopefully we win Scottish Cup up again and then just use that as momentum for next season when hopefully people can add some more signings to the side and then we can just sort of take it from there. Yeah, and and can I get a wee predicted lineup from you there, Dylan? Who who do you think will start? Yeah, so um, I think McLaughlin will start. I think he's sort of like the designated cup goalkeeper. Uh, although I wouldn't be surprised if even in the week he will drop and change. 
Um, back when I'm just going to go for your typical Tav, Golds and Davies. Barca is probably is the best back four, uh, minus Yilmaz, in my opinion. In midfield, I'll probably go for Lundstrom and Jack and Delman. I think Jack had a good game against Dundee United, especially in the second half um, last time round. So, hopefully he keeps it up. And then up front, yeah, uh, Sakala, Alfie and Ken, because I think Sakala's definitely staked that right wing as his own for the time being. Um, he's on good form. So, yeah, with that team, I'm quite confident that we can do the business against Aberdeen. Yeah, Patrick, that's a question I'm keen to ask you as well. How how key has Sakala been since since Beal's coming in? Because he looks like a, a, a totally different player at times. I, I know he I know he touched on him in, in the press conference and he talked about him how he tries and how he's in good form. And but how how important could he potentially be at the weekend? Yeah, I mean he obviously sort of has has sort of upped it recently. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to say upped it because he's always shown this uh, in sort of spurts, but I guess he's put it together for a more extended period. It used to be five or ten minutes of good play over a 90, but now it's looking more like 45. There's still a ways to go. He still can probably yet put together a full 90. has been really impressive, but it's sort of the player he is. And if he was able to do that, he wouldn't be a Rangers. And I think we all know that. But yeah, I guess it's just the sort of threat from the right wing, which you haven't had consistently in what seems like forever. So we have any semblance of sort of consistency. Uh, we've seen Sakala for like, it's, I think since Beal took over, he's got five goal contributions in six games. So we're seeing some sort of consistent output from him, which is important, provides some symmetry to our attack. Because for far too often, we could just throw the, the left back or the right back and the right centre back on Kent. The left centre back would rotate over and sort of leave our right winger open and double up on Kent. And that would sort of sever us totally creatively. And then it force our yeah. centre to create, and they're not exactly the best place to do that outside of maybe Tillman. Um, so, yeah, I think it provides a lot of balance to the team. It also allows Tab to overlap with more ferocity because you can sort of yeah. bank on someone actually having to take Sakala as to him sort of standing off. Because one thing Sakala made as well, he takes a lot of shots. Um, yeah. Not always the best shots. So <laughs> even when he's even when he's po- posted up outside, and when it looks like he should cross, he might take the shots. So they've got to stay tight on him, which allows Tav some freedom. He can pass it into the byline, and boom, we've got a fantastic opportunity. So yeah, I think Sakala's increase in form, long may it last. It's great for the fans, but I think it provides a sort of assurance and, and symmetry to the team as a whole. Um, and you really wouldn't think about right wing being such an important leveler for the other ten yeah. players, but I think it's at the point where. That has been the largest gaping hole. The one was compensated for so long. You have some sort of resemblance to normality. It's going to see a lot of players profit. No, none more than Sakala, probably. Though. Yeah, a hundred percent. It's well. I think my seat's actually in row ZZ in Hamden, so I'll take my goalie once just in case there's a, a couple of yeah. weird shots that I can <laughs> that I can catch there, Patrick. Um, Dylan, before we go, um, let's get a wee predicted uh, scoreline off you. Yeah. Um, going to be quite tough, but I'm going to go for 2 now. I'll go for Alfie to score both goals. Oh, that would just be lovely, wouldn't it? And Patrick, yourself, how how do you think the or what do you think the score will be in the game? Uh, I think we'll win three one. Uh, I'll go with Sakala, Morelos, Tillman goals. Oh yes, I, I take that as well. Uh, every time we play Aberdeen, I hope it's about five or six nil. But uh, I said if it, as long as we win in, in Sunday, that's all that that matters to me. Um, that's about it for tonight. That was another good show, guys. Thanks very much, Dylan. My pleasure, mate. And thanks very much to Patrick. Yeah, thanks for having me on. 
No bother. Take care, everybody. Um, just remember, give us a like and subscribe, and we will be back on Sunday at 8 o'clock with the post-match reaction to the semi-final in the League Cup. See you all then, and take care, everybody. Oh, yeah.